Hi, and welcome to the Get Real with Mama Moines podcast. This is going to be a lighthearted, fun, yet informative platform. It's going to be dedicated to answering all of your burning questions and tackling life's real issues. I am your host, Emily Moines, and I will be joined by my trusted sidekick and BFF of 35 years, Shelly. Just two best friends here to solve the world's problems one fiasco at a time. So now it's time to get real. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I am your host, Mama Moines, aka Emily. And of course, I'm joined today by my co-host, Shelly Cousin. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Emily. So happy to be here with you. So today we are going to have a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a different conversation. I think today I'm sort of going to turn the tables back over to Shelly. We've been getting a lot of questions on the pod about specifically about divorce and a lot of questions as you guys know from the last you know a few of the last episodes that we've done there's a lot of you out there struggling with a divorce and then everything surrounding divorce you know kids and how do you navigate that and finances and all that sort of stuff but today we're going to be specifically talking about so you've made a decision that you're going to get divorced that you're going to go through with it okay now what yeah now what because it's, you know, you've taken us through your emotional journey, the roller coaster of the emotions. And when you finally make that decision to leave, now we've got to put the wheels in motion for the practical side of it. So at what point did you actually pull the lawyer in? And okay. I, you know, that's the whole thing too. It's because how do you start? You make the decision. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Now what? Okay, well, for me specifically, I can only speak for me specifically. And so the whole thing with, you know, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I did that three times, maybe even four times, actually, because I know I left three for sure. And maybe I left four. So just saying, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then moving out of the house for me specifically, clearly was not enough to be done. I was never done. I said I was done but it really never came to full fruition. So what changed everything for me the very last time I left and never went back was when I said I was done, done, but then made the step to contact a lawyer immediately after. I mean, I'm talking immediately after making that decision. Okay, well, where were you living at that time when you had you, were you out of the house or had you, was that the time you were back in? Uh, We were living together. We were back together. We had been back together for quite some time, actually. And it was after yet another, you know, one of those, you know, drag them out, knock them out fights. And I knew at that point, after having gone through that yet again, and I knew that I had to do something different. This had to be a drastic change. Because I knew the power that he had over me in terms of hoovering me back into the relationship because I was in that cycle. You know, I was in the cycle. It's, you know, there's a love bombing, idealization, devaluing, discarding Hoover. And I've been in that cycle. And so what's the definition of insanity? What's the definition of insanity? You repeat the same thing over and over and over again, expecting there to be a different result. What was going to be different now? And I've said I've done three, three times before maybe even four times before, what was going to be the catalyst 
at this point to make sure I was done and to not get sucked back in. So because of the circumstances where my daughter was home during that last argument, and I really saw how this was affecting her emotionally, mentally, physically, so bad that I thought I have to be done. So at that, literally that day, I literally walked out my front door and went right to a lawyer's office. But how to, and even just choosing a lawyer, like that's overwhelming for a lot of people. Because I'd left a few times, I had done my research. So I was almost like had an exit strategy sort of planned. I already knew who the top lawyer was in Burlington. And that, hey guys, red fucking flag. If you're researching lawyers and divorce lawyers in your marriage, you got a problem. There's a problem. So I had already done that. I had done the research because like I've left, I've left before, but I never pulled the plug on actually contacting the lawyer. And so I went to see, like, I refused to leave the lawyer's office until I got an appointment with the lawyer. And I had already seen her probably once before, like five years prior. It was a long time ago. So I already made the initial connection with her. And I'm telling you guys, I am telling you, for me specifically, the lawyer was the most pivotal. I mean, she was the reason why I persevered. Because once I saw the lawyer, I instantly, because here's the thing, I always felt powerless and defeated, always. So once I saw that lawyer, she instantly made me feel like I wasn't alone. I had somebody in my corner. She was so confident and she was so matter of a fact. And she was so take the emotion out of it that I walked out of there feeling like I finally felt like empowered almost empowered she gave you you power in the sense that she made you realize that you had a case that you had someone who was going to fight for you and told you what your legal rights were within that marriage so so that's actually a great point Shelly because for those of you listening every time I left the marriage or we had a breakup like I call it the longest emotional roller coaster ride of my life it was me I left, I packed up, I took my kids. One of those times I left for a year and I moved out of the city with my furniture, with everything. I was gone for a year and I still went back. So it was always me that left. And I'll tell you why it was me that left because I was always made to feel like I had no right to stay. It wasn't my house. This is obviously things that he was saying to me, right? It wasn't my house. I didn't pay for it. He bought it. He would never leave ever. And so I would always leave. I'd be the one to pack up and leave. And when I look back, I just think my poor kids, honestly, like it's such a messed up situation. And so after speaking to her that day, and she said to me, listen, my dear, I don't give a shit whose name the house is in. I don't give a shit who paid for it, who bought it. You have just as much right to be in that house as he does. And in fact, She went a step further and said, I'm also going to apply for exclusive temporary, no, hang on, temporary exclusive possession. So there's an order that you can apply for a motion to go to court and get temporary exclusive possession. Really what that means is you get to stay in the home until everything is settled. You don't get the house. It's not, it's not a done deal that you get the house, but you get temporary exclusive possession of the matrimonial home and he would have to leave. And when she said that to me, I mean, it's something that I had never contemplated before, never fathomed that I could stay in that house 
and he and had to he leave. Would, and he would have to leave. I mean, because there's such an imbalance of power with us that I never felt equal or I never felt like I had that right. And so when she said that, I was kind of almost in a state of shock and disbelief. Because remember, I, I really never felt like I had any power. So I didn't really believe it. And then I questioned her on that because I said, because once he knows you file the motion, it is not going to be a happy day. Like, first of all, he's going to get served divorce papers. <laughs> Fun with that. Yeah. And then in the divorce paper, she's going to tell him that we're going to apply for exclusive matrimonial possession. And she said to me, I can almost guarantee that you will be successful in getting the house because the judges need to look at. I didn't have a job. I had nowhere to go. I had no way to pay for it. There was no spousal support. We also applied. Hey, listen, you guys, you can also apply for like an emergency spousal support. So you get it right away. Because for a lot of you that don't have, you know, that you're not working and you're stay at home moms, you actually have, you have no access to funds. So we applied for exclusive matrimonial possession that day. And we applied for emergency spousal support because they weren't his kids. The kids are from my first husband. And she said to me, you know, a judge is going to look at, even though you, you know, I was afraid that he had all the power. There were my kids. I didn't have a job. I didn't have access to the bank accounts. I didn't have any income. And it was also questionable whether or not there was abuse coming uh, from him in that marriage. And so she said, but just with those three things alone, I can probably have him out in 60 days. And I, was, I oh my God. believe it. That was unreal. Like, I remember that whole process and him trying to leave. And, but I just want to back up for one second. So what do you mean him trying to leave? He never tried to leave. No, not him. Try, like that. It was really hard getting him out of the house, even yes. with that. And, but I was going to just go back for one thing and say that when you also felt that you were powerless with the house, wasn't part of it because your name was not on title. No, actually, so, that's no, that's not true. Actually, okay. it, it was actually my name on title, believe it or oh, not. Okay, it so was my name on title. And I still to this day really don't even understand why he put my name on title. I don't, I really don't know that. But that's irrelevant. Whoever it's were irrelevant. You both have, he had just as much right to be in that house as I did. But when it's what was considered my divorce was considered a high conflict divorce. So when you're in a high conflict divorce, it's almost impossible to continue living together. And so that's when you can apply for the exclusive possession, temporary exclusive possession until it all gets worked out. So of course that, you know, went over like a lead balloon when he got served. But, you know, I just want to reiterate that for me personally, taking that step to see a lawyer, I felt like there was now no turning back. There's no turning back. The papers, the divorce papers were literally filed within, I think, 48 hours. They were sent. He was served. And the motion was put in place to go to court for the for exclusive possession. And so at that point, I felt like there's no turning back now. I mean, the cat is out of the bag. He knows what my plans are. So there was no turning back. And she made me feel empowered. She made me feel like I finally have somebody on my side. I have somebody in my corner. I have somebody fighting for me. And I never felt like that before. And that really was the whole catalyst behind me making the decision, sticking to it and following through because I left many times before. Well, that's what I was going to say. So how long would you say that process took you, that emotional journey from the first time you decided I can't be in this house anymore to contact, 
contacting that lawyer. How much time went by? Two years, three years? Well, when I said I can't leave anymore, it was the same day as the argument. There was no time. There no, was literally you had left how many times? Before? Oh God! I'm just saying oh. from the beginning to the end, like that's a process oh my God. for people, right? It takes a long time. Oh my God! Yeah. Thing. So we, yeah. So we, okay. So we were together for about seven years before we got married. So we were total together total for about fifteen years. I can't believe that. That actually boggles my mind. So you guys, it was there from almost the beginning. The red flags. And the first time I left and moved out, I'm going to say it was probably five years into the relationship. And then I stayed for like 10. Wow. You were unhappy in that marriage for 15 years. Well, not, you weren't in the marriage, for but that whole process, like that whole relationship. Yeah. I mean, but here, you know, like what people need to understand and all, all people always say, like, why'd you stay so long? Like nobody was, nobody was, you know, holding your feet to the fire. Nobody had a gun at your head. Like, why'd you stay so long? Why'd you stay? Why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? And I used to be one of those people. I used to be one of those people that would say to these wives was women that were in abusive relationships. Why don't you leave? And you don't leave because it's not always bad. So when bad the, enough, bad the, enough. No, it was bad enough. Are you kidding? It was bad enough. Well, you just said it wasn't, it's not always bad. Yeah. So you have cognitive dissonance. Do you right, know what cognitive right. dissonance yeah. is? Yeah. Okay. So it was pretty bad. I mean, the police were at the home numerous times. So I'm sorry, that's bad. So the good is so good. Mm-hmm. Like it's so good. And then the bad is so bad. But what keeps you there is that holding out for a better tomorrow. You're always holding out for that high. It's like a drug addict. It's it like really a is. Drug addict, yeah. It's like a drug addict. You just will do anything to deescalate the situation, to get back to that good place you were in before. Because I'm telling you guys, the good was good. I mean, we had... Shelly, you know, we had the cottage, we had homes, you know, beachfront properties in Florida. We had some really great times. I almost equated to like a, like a wife beater, you know, like you've got a guy that you probably are, you could be in a marriage that is phenomenal 364 days a year. And then you get that one day where he beats the shit out of his wife. Right. So it's like, you kind of feel like that, like, yeah, but I had 364 really, really good days. But then on that 365, he beats the shit out of you. That's sort of like what it's like. It's sort of like that. Well, except that you had less than 364 days of bad. Of good, you mean? Of good. Yeah, I had days. I'm sorry, you guys, if I sound distracted, my phone is all of a sudden going crazy. I think I need to take my phone and put it in another room when I'm doing these podcasts because it's blowing up. Yeah, so you have, you know, what, you know, there's, tr- I mean, we can get into this whole other thing. Today, I just want to talk about what do you do? Like, what do you do when you finally decide to leave? But, you know, there's trauma bonding, there's cognitive dissonance. There is so much that is at play when you're in a relationship like this. It's really, really, really hard to stay. And it's really, really, really hard to leave. And so cognitive dissonance is when you have two opposing belief systems and your brain literally is like fighting with each other. And it's really very difficult when you get it sucked into that sort of cycle to get away from that. I mean, that's why if you, if you listen to like anyone like Elizabeth Smart or anyone that's been captured, they all sympathize with their captors. It's a real psychological mindfuck that happens. So, and that's a whole other podcast, the trauma bonding and the cognitive dissonance and all that. But, you know, I think that not only was it important to have the support 
so I, I made the decision to leave. So then I, I go right to the lawyer's office, walked out of that lawyer feeling pretty empowered, which I'd never felt before. And then second, most important thing was telling friends and family. And that too was huge. Like having the support from friends and family was also so important because I remember so many mornings I would wake up and just wanted to make it all better again. Like I would want to make it all better because the feeling you're just at such a low and you're scared to death. And for me, I wasn't working and I hadn't worked for many years. So the financial insecurity, the financial instability, it was really starting to freak me out. And so I I remember that. I totally remember you being so worried about that. Yeah, because I hadn't worked and I'm approaching 50 and who's going to hire a 50 year old. And I knew it was going to be a battle. I knew that it was not a given that I was going to get anything out of that marriage. So, so that was really, I mean, I was really scared and, you know, so it was, listen, I think a lot of times it's easier to stay than it is to leave. I really, really do. hundred percent. So how long did it take between seeing the lawyer and getting to court? Oh, that didn't take long because it was emergency. You can, you can apply for an emergency court order. So that didn't take long, but what did take long was once we got to court and we had applied for the temporary exclusive possession that was in April and very happy to say I was granted exclusive possession and he had to leave, but there was 60 days that we had to live together after the decision had been made that I would stay and he would have to go. Not easy. So that was not easy. And I mean, I can't just imagine like in a situation where you might have, you know, physical abuse, or you might have someone that is, you know, super angry, that would not like, I think that the court system can be such a joke. Because how do you now put two people back into the same home, where there's so much animosity, and so much tension, and so much like, literally, like, Fuck you. You're kicking me out of my house. Well, well, and also with a spouse who has a vindictive personality, he was vindictive. Well, I think any spouse in that situation would be vindictive. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you have to go through certain things that. Well, I think when you go that to that extent, you've got a vindictive partner. If you have to go and apply for uh, exclusive possession to get your partner out, there's already a problem. You're not dealing with somebody who's level headed or you, you would have already worked that out. That would have been agreed upon who stays, who leaves. And do we both stay and cohabitate, you know, in a civilized manner? So I think that when you get to that point, if you have to get to that point, there's already a lot of animosity, tension in that relationship for sure. And now you're compounding that by, you know, forcing that couple to stay together in the same home. 60 days is a long time. With one of them knowing that, yeah. Yeah, 60 days is a long time. Like, I think it, it should almost be like immediate when you're in a high conflict situation. Well, sure, because sometimes, you know, if it's an abusive situation and, you know, kids are involved, it can be a safety situation as well. Yeah, for sure. So what happened after that? So that, you know, that was the, you know, make that decision and then follow through. And for me, it was seeing the lawyer. But it was also my friends. I remember I would wake up in the morning and I would get texts. I remember the one text I got one morning. It came at a particularly good time because I was starting to feel that romanticizing the relationship was starting to set in. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but when you start to get to that stage of romanticizing the relationship, so you've broken up and it's decided you've broken up. And all of a sudden, all you can think of is all the good times you had. 
That's all that comes to the forefront. The shit, the crap, the fights, gone, gone. And all you can think about is the amazing times, the great times and how scary it's going to be to be on your own. And, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. Nobody's perfect. So you start to romanticize the relationship and then you start to second guess yourself. Am I making the right decision? Holy shit. Am I making the right decision? And at that moment, when I was feeling that, I got a text and it said, it's from one of my girlfriends. And it said, when you love something, set it free. If it comes back, set that fucker free again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Because it only means nobody else wants to ever. <laughs> so I remember I was laughing because I was like, yeah, I mean, it's so true. It's it's such a hard thing to do, but you know, the girlfriend, the girl power, the family, the support just kept me on that road of keep going. You haven't been happy for a long time. Don't look back. Don't think about what you're giving up. Think about what you're gaining. Think about the freedom. Think about the That's right. You had to go back and you had to read your hello letter again. Yeah. So it was all of that. And listen, not only should you be seeking a lawyer for or a mediator, it doesn't always have to be a lawyer and it doesn't have to be high conflict, but not only are you seeking a lawyer to sort of to compel you to keep going and to leave, but it's also really smart to get to sit down with someone who knows what your rights are. Well, that's exactly what we said in the beginning, right? It's really important for you to know what your legal rights are. And yeah, what, what your lawyer, lawyer not realizing that you had that you could stay in that house without him. No, I had that's no idea that was even an option that I could just stay there and, and until things I was in that house for almost two and a half years. Wow. While, you know, while everything was trying to be settled. So that was a long time. And then there's things like FRO, Family Responsibility Office. Never heard of that. Didn't know what that was. And again, my lawyer's like, no, 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 no. This is high conflict. You are applying for FRO. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So explain to people really what FRO stands for and and why you need to apply for it. Basically what FRO does is it takes, so when you apply for it, whether it's child support or spousal support, the Family Responsibility Office is sort of the liaison between your spouse and yourself. So if you have an agreement with your spouse that he's going to pay you X amount and you don't go through fro, it really is up to you and to him, whether he wants to pay you that on a monthly basis, maybe you get into a fight and he decides, no, you're not getting it this month. I'll pay you next month. Oh yeah. You know what? I'm a little strapped for cash. You're not going to get it. Well, in this situation, and she was right. She said, you know, I'm going to take that battle right out of the equation and then fro collects on your behalf. So it's court ordered. Again, it's a court orders the whatever the payments are determined, the court system will then involve fro and fro is the mediator. So fro, if say, I know you're getting, I don't know, the sake of numbers, $3,000 a month is your child support. Well, they fro collects the $3,000 and sends it to you. Now, if you don't, if they don't get that $3,000, they have so much at their disposal to collect it. They can suspend their license. They can garnish the wages. They can freeze bank accounts. They can, they can do all that. I mean, if you're working on your own in hopes that they're going to pay, you have no power, zero. You're at their mercy. So with Fro, they just take all that out. The worry is gone. It's in their hands. 
and they have the power to make sure, especially you guys, if it's child support and you need the child support and they feel like they don't want to pay. By the way, I don't remember the statistics. I looked it up when I was going through the divorce. It's a lot. It's a huge number of deadbeat dads. A number of people, yeah, they will not mm -hmm. pay child support. No. And being vindictive again too. And the poor kids suffer. Yeah, no, exactly. And there's this fallacy that, you know, the money's going to the mom and she's whatever doing, you know, I don't know, getting facials or whatever. But it's just a great idea to see a lawyer, to know your rights, to see a fro. It works for you. You know, again, I was, I consider my marriage to be high conflict. The divorce, I mean, well, the marriage was definitely high conflict, but the divorce, because it went on for, I think, over three and a half years until we finally settled. So that's high conflict. But just get to know your rights. And just have somebody in that back corner that can go, no, 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 that's not how it works. This is how it works. And you also have to be careful because when it's high conflict, it can get completely out of hand and it's very expensive. And you sort of have to figure out, weigh your options. Is it worth it or not to keep going, to keep fighting? But at least an initial consultation just to get to know your rights. Like I never would have had I gone to mediation or I, I never would have known about the temporary exclusive possession. I never would have known about that. And I never would have known about fro. But Fro was, and I, and I did use Fro, and they were fantastic. Yes, and also when you're in the court system too, and you go to show up, a lot of it depends on the judge. At least, you know, we're dealing in Ontario, so I don't know if it differs in different provinces. But... Well, I think a lot of the judges, actually, I don't think I know. I think a lot of the judges are not familiar with high conflict divorces, and specifically when you're in a divorce with a partner that does have NDP, NDP, narcissistic personality NPD, disorder, NPD, NPD, <laughs> and what that means and what the traits are and the, what the characteristics are, they're just not familiar. And so oftentimes I've been doing so much reading on this. So I did a lot of reading on this. They're quite capable of manipulating the system and use it to their advantage. So again, a lawyer that is familiar with that is able to help you and to navigate you know, through that. One other thing I would highly, highly, highly suggest, like now what? You made a decision, you've contacted a lawyer. Now what? Do not start dating. You are not ready. You're not ready emotionally, mentally. That's the worst thing you can do. I know there's like a, you know, that big saying, the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody else. I honestly believe that when you're getting out of a relationship, you really need the time. You need the time. There's that also, uh, you, you will repeat what you don't repair. And I really believe that. I believe that a lot of people that don't take the time for themselves to work on themselves, to discover who you are, what you want, what do you want out of life? And you haven't done the work. Oftentimes you're going to go right back and pick that same person. You're going to find yourself yeah, in another so shitty relationship. Yeah. So take the time for yourself, get your kids settled. Don't be dating. Don't be bringing men home when your kids are home. I know it's hard. I know you're sad. I know you're lonely. I went through all that. But honestly, I'm telling you, it's the best advice I could give. Take the time for yourself. Become that better version of you. Become who you want to come into your life. Become that person. Yeah, because you will be a happier person in the long run. And it's funny because I was going to ask you, one of my questions was going to be, what was the best advice that you were given that has really stuck with you that has had an impact? And I think you just said it right now. Yeah, That's the best the advice I could give is, especially if you're coming out of a long-term relationship, take the time, take the time you need, 
take the time to focus on you. I mean, I had to figure out what I was going to do, what I was going to do for work, how I was going to support myself, how I was going to support my kids, because I had three kids in university, you know, where I was going to live. There was so much that dating was just not something that even entered my mind. And actually, I have to say that I was thinking, okay, you know what, Emily, I think you finally are getting it. You're getting it. This is now time for you live life on your own terms, be your authentic self. So great not to, you know, be walking on eggshells. What do you want to do with your life? Who do you want in your life? It's Who's so important? Freeing, isn't it? So freeing. It's liberating. So liberating. Well, you know, and now you went through that whole process. Was there anything that stood out in your mind during the legal battle, the legal process that you wish you had known about? Well, I mean, the legal process, I mean, listen, there is, I don't even know what to say about legal process. I mean, a lot of it did work in my favor, but not all, because here's the thing. So I was married to someone who had a lot of resources, financial resources, and I didn't have a job. And so basically the support I was getting every month was really going back to fight him in court. That's all. That's where the money was going. And there was such an imbalance of financial power that I think the legal system sort of needs to take that more into account because, I mean, it was nothing to him because he had the finances. And, you know, I had to constantly be worried about, you know, having to pay the lawyer, having to pay the lawyer, having to pay the lawyer. And some of it was just so, it just dragged out. So you've got to be cognizant of that as well. You know, is it worth the battle? Is it worth the fight? Because the legal system, from my perspective, from my experiences, does not take into account the imbalance of financial power. Does not at all take that into account. Right. Because, you know, it's expensive to hire a lawyer. Yeah. That can be a deterrent for a lot of people. Even if it's not a high conflict divorce, it's probably always good to get legal advice. You know, here's the thing. It's good to get legal advice so that you know your rights. And then you can take it from there. Is going, you know, with a lawyer the way for you? Maybe it's a mediator. Maybe it's mediation arbitration. Maybe it's not just a lawyer. Hey, listen, my first marriage, divorce, we had one lawyer. And then when it came to signing all the papers, because you need independent legal counsel when it comes to it at the very end, you need independent legal counsel. But our independent legal counselors basically took the what we wanted and what we had drafted up with the one lawyer that him and I saw together and then they tweaked it his lawyer tweaked it a little bit my lawyer tweaked it a little bit and we came to a resolution it was done in a month yeah yeah you didn't even have to go to court for that there was no court there was nothing and so you know if you can get that situation that obviously is best case that was a walk in the park especially in comparison Oh my God. It was, it was night and day. I mean, it was night and day. You know, we had the kids in mind. The kids were top of mind and uh, it was done in a month. We used one lawyer. We got independent legal advice at the very end of it. And we sat down like rational human beings and discussed the options and what we wanted. And, you know, I didn't want this massive support check coming in from my husband at the time, ex-husband, who's the father of all three of my children, because I, I didn't want to strap him either. And I wanted the kids to go to their dads and enjoy a home with bedrooms and, and the backyard 
And I didn't want to put him in a situation where he would be strapped. So we worked that out. And I think it worked out quite well. I didn't take everything I was quote unquote entitled to. If you look at, so you, there's a grading system, depending on your income, there's like a chart that courts provide for support. And I didn't take everything that the court said I was entitled to because I knew it was going to leave him in a difficult position. And so we worked that out and we, and we traded off on other things. And so that was great. And I would highly recommend that highly because it's so stressful. Going through a divorce is one of the most stressful things. My second divorce, my first divorce was not stressful. It was sad for sure, but it was not stressful. It's one of the most stressful, I think, times of your life. It was mentally, emotionally, physically exhausting. Right. And also, if you can tell us for when you had your first divorce, which thankfully was, you know, pretty easy. How old were the kids? They were young. They were young. I think Taylor was two, maybe three. And Cody would have been seven. And Blake would have been eight or nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably the busiest time in, in parenting life. When kids are that age and three. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, it was, but we did such a great job. I really, like, I really commend both of us for how we navigated that. I mean, not, listen, not to say, not, I'm not making light of the fact that it was very hard and the kids obviously did, you know, suffer a little bit and were not pleased and were unhappy. I remember telling them and I'm crying, but we made them top priority we, in terms of where we lived and how we navigated, you know, whose house, like there was never, well, it's my weekend or your weekend. It was wherever they wanted to spend the night, wherever they wanted to spend their week or their day. It was, we had week on week off, but for the most part, they weren't hard and fast rules. They were whatever the kids wanted. But that's, I totally, totally remember when you were going through that with the kids and I always said, and I even said it to people that I know, those kids seem to be pretty well adjusted because I think they had the freedom and they had the relationship with both parents. And I really felt that at the time. And I saw the kids seem to be the adjusted, like you said, they had a couple of, you know, it wasn't great in the beginning, but dad, mom, they had solid relationships with both parents. Yeah, and they did. I mean, I think as they, got, as they got a little bit older, they started spending a lot more time with me, but for the most part, I mean, we just weren't like sticklers on it's my weekend or it's my week or whatever. It was just whatever the kids wanted. I wish um, we could all parent that way. One week on one week off. I yeah. I know. Kids away for a week. Yeah. I mean, who takes them? I know. And that was the other thing too, you guys, I really made a conscious effort that when I didn't, so it was week on week off when I didn't have the kids, this is after my first divorce, same thing. I didn't really date right away, but eventually I started dating, but I only dated when I didn't have the kids. That's I never, ever, ever, ever made a date on the week that the kids were with me. Never, never happened until I met my second husband and then that's when all the fucking rules changed. Yeah. But you know, that, is, that was I, four years after my divorce though. That's really, really important because also even at my age, when I am the product of my parents divorced, they divorced, I think in 1969, 1970. And my mother was dating and um, I never, ever saw him sleep over. She eventually got engaged to the guy. 
but I never, ever, and I think even to this day, I think, thank goodness for that. Yeah, no, I think it's really important because first of all, your kids don't need to see it. And second of all, their time is already subdivided, right? It's already subdivided with you and dad. And now you've got to subdivide it again. It's just, it's something that I did not want to do. I did not want to put them through. I thought it was really important that our time was our time. And that when they were gone through their dads, I had a whole week to do whatever the hell I wanted. And so there was no way. I, I remember... You know, a couple of people that were like, didn't understand that. And they were done, gone. See you later. You don't get that. I want to be with my kids. Then you need to take a hike, buddy. So yeah, it's really, it's important. And it makes the kids also feel like, like I said, their time's already subdivided. Now you're leaving to go wherever. They haven't seen you all week. Yeah. It really does send a subliminal message to them. I think it's more than subliminal, really. I mean, it sends a message that, hey, you know, they're not top of priority at this time. And that's why sometimes, depending on situation, the week on, week off, they can solidify a really, really good relationship with each parent that they didn't have the opportunity to do at the time when they were together in an unhappy situation. No. So the the pressure is off. The stress is gone. And it's more of a lighthearted sort of mood in the house. And you just take advantage of that time that you finally do have together. You know what? It would be interesting for me to actually interview the kids and get their take on what it was like for them right, you know, immediately after the divorce. Because, I mean, I think they came out pretty damn good. But, you know, did they keep a lot of those feelings to themselves? What were they feeling? Were they scared? Were they sad? Were they? It'd be interesting to get their take on it. So I might do that actually one of these days. I think that's a good idea because... Now that they're young adults and some of them 30 and approaching, it will be interesting to see what they think about it from their perspective now. Yeah. Yeah. They, I know that they would have a completely different take on both divorces for sure. But yeah, that's definitely something to do in the future is interview them on what it was like and what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it. And yeah. But it's great because, you know, you went through it, you survived, you've got a fantastic life right now, got a great house kids are doing awesome you know it was a tough journey but really the payoff was huge because now you can be you well I think the payoff and I'm gonna probably I think we should cut this off um shortly because I do want to try and stick within our time frame so that you busy moms can get out there and, and do what you need to do but for me the payoff more than anything is the fact that I am my authentic self once again I no longer feel like I need to walk on eggshells I have such a sense of peace and I didn't have that for a long time. I felt like we had a relationship that could just erupt at any time out of the blue. It could be a complete 360 and I just never knew when that was going to happen. And so you're always sort of on edge and you're sort of always just so like super like walking in eggshells. And I felt like that for such a long time. And so what I have now is freedom, living life on my own terms. It is walking through that door and knowing that the house will always, always, always be peaceful and content. And there's nothing but love and and dog hair and a lot of dog hair and cat hair (laughs) hair. and bird feathers. (laughs) Bird feathers. Yeah, when the cats catch the birds outside. Oh my god, it's a zoo. Yeah. That's what I have. And so there is no it that to me is priceless because what I gave up, for those of you that don't know, 
luxury cars, designer clothes, multiple vacation properties, lots of, you know, jet setting around the world, you know, Rolexes. Like I gave all of that up, but what I gained is so much more valuable to me than what I ever gave up. And I'm going to urge you all to focus on that. Focus on what you're going to gain rather than what you're going to give up. Because if you focus too much on what you're giving up, it keeps you there. It keeps you stuck. You can't move forward. And that is all I have to do to close off. Well, That's that's my last thing I have to say. Focus on what you're gaining, not what you're giving up. Exactly. And what you really gained was yourself back Mm -hmm. again. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I gained. I'm back. Like, Emily is back, baby. Back. back, baby. Yeah. Mama and now is in the house. Yeah. But okay. I just want to touch on one more thing. <laughs> Actually, there's one more thing. When you said you've got a great house and blah, blah, blah. So that was really, really scary and really, really hard, really hard. And that is another reason why you cannot date. Figure it out. Take the time to figure it out. I had to literally figure it out. I did not have support. So I had to pay the bills for me. What I did is I took every nickel I had and I bought a house with no mortgage. I didn't want to have a mortgage, but now I had to figure out how to make it work. So now failure is not an option because I have no money coming in. So I worked 15, 16, 18 hour days to get the businesses up and running and to make sure that I had money coming in. And it was hard. It was hard. There were days I cried. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Haven't made the right decision. I struggled. I struggled. It's hard work. But nothing that is worth it comes easy. So you, it will get better. You got to go through that and come out on the other side. It does get better. Just stay focused and keep going. Yeah, I think those are wise words. And I think that regardless of people's personal situation, if you can focus on that, I think it'll help you through the journey. Even when I divorced at 23, that also I remember that sense of freedom and that sense of being me again. And we had no kids. We only had a bird. Yeah. Well, divorce is all, I'm, I don't care how you slice it. Divorce well, we sucks. Yeah. It sucks. It's hard. It's hard no matter what stage you're at. Yeah. No, but... it sucks. it's hard. It's one of the hardest things to go through. And I don't condone, I don't condone divorce. I'm not here advocating where everybody go and get divorced. I'm not. In fact, my belief is that unless you have the three A's, which is adultery, abuse, or addiction, everything else can be worked out. And that's a whole other podcast, but that's a whole other podcast because yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Great. We'll that another time. Well, thanks for taking us through this uh, process of the what now. And yes, uh, you are a welcome. What to do next? That's what you do. You make a decision, and you know, go seek the advice of a lawyer, even if it's just to you know, so that you feel comfortable with what your rights are. You don't even have to go any further than that. You know, uh, knowledge is power. So yeah, get out there and and learn what your rights are and don't be a doormat, but also don't, you know, don't, it's not the time to also instigate, just know the facts. And yeah, I mean, that's really all I can say. Just know what your rights are. Don't be going in. I do want to say one other thing there are for people who are feeling that financially it might be a little challenging. There are services available for free legal advice. Sometimes it's only for 20 minutes. It can be legal aid, whatever, but you can research that and there are options for some free legal advice. Well, that's a great point. There's also court appointed attorneys. If you don't have the money for one, 
you also can apply for that so they can go to court for you. I don't know a lot about that because I didn't, I mean, obviously that was not my case, but yeah, you can get free legal advice. You can get an hour of free consultation. Just look that up, Google that. And then you can also get court appointed counsel if you can't afford to go to court. Right. So there's lots of options. Yeah. Thanks, Mama Moines. Thanks, Shelly. Hope that was helpful, you guys. I mean, there's a lot to to dissect here when you're going through a divorce. There's just, there's so much legally and mentally and all that sort of stuff. But hope that was helpful. Thank you once again for joining Shelly and I on Get Real with Mama Moines. And join us again next Wednesday when we talk tackle another, I don't even know what we're going to talk about next Wednesday. I have some ideas though. Stay tuned. It's what you guys have been asking for. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Get a Real with a Mama Moines. If you haven't done so yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all of your friends. You can find more of me, Emily Moines, on my website at therebuildatkickasslife.com and follow me on my social media, Instagram and Facebook at Get Real with a Mama Moines. Please be sure to join us next time where we will always be here keeping it real.